Hey there, and welcome to the Coaching Floors Podcast. This is Dr. Jen, and each week we'll be doing interviews to inform our listeners about techniques to help children with complex communication needs discover their voice with AAC. Stay tuned. Hey there, you have already heard an interview with Alanda as she shared her experience as a classroom teacher assisting children with complex communication needs discover their voice with AAC. What you may or may not know is she is a strong advocate in the community for children and helping them and their families live lives to the fullest. In today's interview, Alana is going to share with us how she helps incorporate language and communication acquisition as a MOVE trainer. So welcome, Alanda. Hello, again. Good to have you. Thank you. Um, tell us about your work as a MOVE trainer and how you got started. Sure. So back in 2005, the district's curriculum director brought on this new curriculum, this new program called MOVE and it stands for Mobility Opportunities Via Education. And so it was really geared towards our students with the most complex physical disabilities. So sometimes that would be a student who also has a cognitive disability, and that's kind of where we started with MOVE. And then as we learned more about it, it could be anyone with a physical disability, no matter what program they were in. And part of MOVE and being trained in MOVE is understanding how we can incorporate mobility to teach students with the most complex motor planning to sit, stand, walk, and transition. The district decided that it would be beneficial for our district to have a MOVE trainer right here so that we had a resource. Mm -hmm. And so I was asked to be trained and I went to Bakersfield, California for a week wow. and became a trainer. It was a great opportunity for me. And I came back with just so much enthusiasm and I couldn't wait to reach every single student with a physical disability and their teachers and paras and support people. And I began um, my work. And so the district kind of took it on as, you know, start my classroom first, but as the needs arise that I would go out into the classroom. So it's kind of evolved over the years and every three to four years I get retrained so that I stay up and fresh on all of the information for instruction of MOVE. And now I have the luxury of being able to be asked by classroom mm -hmm. teachers, others to go into classrooms and kind of observe and see how I can help them to move forward with implementing the MOVE strategies to teach our learners how to sit, stand, walk, and transition. So what is the primary focus or goal when you work with children through MOVE? It's really to find out what is the most important um, aspects of mobility and how it can be embedded into their entire day. So kind of taking away the old school therapeutic process like PT is going to come in for a half an hour mm -hmm. and they're going to take the student and walk and OT is going to take the student and do 20 minutes of occupational therapy and um, kind of taking that segmented approach away and mm -hmm. having it be holistic. So we all work together as a team. And it's really, I feel, like it's empowering the classroom teacher to take over those goals as well as academic. Mm -hmm. So it might change or shift a mindset for a teacher, like I never had to think about that before. And now um, trying to use MOVE to empower them so that they can make decisions to improve their mobility throughout their entire day. So a student may be working on walking or sitting up and 
what areas within the entire day and their schedule could you work on those because our learners with the most complex needs take a lot more repetitions to learn and so if they're only learning with the physical therapist twice a month mm -hmm. it may be years before they're able to show progress in an area. So if we as classroom teachers and paraprofessionals take that ownership that we can make a difference in their, um, their skills and have them embedded, we're gonna see a lot more outcome. And then the second thing is really the why. Why do we wanna move? Right. What's, <laughs> you know, we're not just gonna walk for no reason. Like, uh -huh. what is our purpose? And so um, that's where I think a lot of communication comes in, into play. Not just where our parents, because MOVE is really geared towards the parents and the, the, the learner, and finding out it kind of is a different shift too. So a parent, I might be in an interview for MOVE and asking them, you know, very functionally, how are they moving within their home life? Are they able to sit to use the restroom? Are they able to sit to put on their clothes? Um, can they stand? to transition from chair to chair, you know, those sorts of questions, but then also finding out from the families, what is really hard for you? What kind of breaks your back? What, mm -hmm. what is a struggle for you? And then finding out why we would want them to be more mobile. And then also sometimes we find out some information by interviewing those parents about, you know, maybe they want them to be able to take them shopping. And that's mm -hmm. really a struggle because to push their wheelchair and a shopping cart is just so hard. So. How could we make that easier? And how can we teach the students skills to make that easier? And of course, we're not going to, at school, be pushing them around with a shopping cart and try to work on mobility skills, but with um, integrating the walking skills or the standing skills within our practice throughout the school day could then generalize to some of those skills that would be really important for the family to have at home. So finding the why, the purpose. For some of our, our students, it's way different. It's because I want to play at recess. It's because <laughs> I want to go to lunch. It's because I remember having a student who looks really good in her power wheelchair and mm -hmm. she could zip around like no other. But when we talked to her about the philosophy of MOVE and why we wanted to teach her to transition from chair to chair and how that would help her in her future as she became older and heavier, um, this is what she said to me. She said, well, I want to sit in a chair just like everybody else during oh, science. Wow. That was our why. Wow. You know, so yes. um, just because we as adults think they look really good and mm -hmm. they're, they're good, they're all right, doesn't mean that they don't have more, they want to be included more. Mm -hmm. They want to, you know, do what everyone else is doing. And maybe that is simply just transition, transitioning to a chair like everyone else is sitting in. You, I think of, when I think of MOVE, is the independence that that child gains. But you brought forth the independence of the family, too, and, and what opportunities can open up for them when the child has more independence, when they are able to just stand to get dressed um, and that sort of thing. I also know um, through your work with our advocates is you helped get adaptive bicycles and, and things like that, too, so that children can even experience that part of life that maybe they wouldn't have been able to without that mobility. So equipment's super expensive, and so um, our lending library for ARC has really been helpful, but I think that's a big component of MOVE within the schools too, is we're using equipment such as pacers and gate trainers and standers mm -hmm. and maybe even adapting a chair with special belts and yep. things like that, but it's all meant to be removed. 
<laughs> it's all so when you think of someone who has maybe a disability with walking and they have a, a struggle you think oh give them a walker and they're great mm -hmm. well that's that's static that just is a replacement um, skill so you're replacing their ability to walk with a walker our thought process with move is really to remove as much as we can as often as we can um, you give them a piece of equipment such as a walker and you let them use that but how do you get rid of it how do you take that away and you know some simple things that I do within my instruction is you know I don't think of it as all or nothing so they I have a student who may use a walker walking to lunch because they need that level of support but when they walk to the computer which is super powerful and, and motivating <laughs> they're able to walk unassisted for two set two steps nice so knowing you can shake it up or I've taken my students bowling and so you know throughout the course they stand outside mm -hmm. of any equipment to push the ball down the ramp so you know it just can be those little little things just embedded within their their day that can help them become more independent and see the the success of mobility. Right. Oh that's so exciting. Um, how have you seen your students grow through the work you've done as a MOVE trainer? Well all students are different and I think celebrating each student where they're at I've seen lots of successes whether that be really small or huge. You know I've had students who literally I observed in the preschool classroom um, scooting around on their back using just their feet to mm -hmm. scoot around backwards mm -hmm. and then after being in the program with move and having the value of standing and walking and transitioning and movement that by the time he was in fifth grade he was motivated enough to be kind of doing this small jog in, <laughs> in PE class but to see wow. a student transform was just really eye-opening for me mm -hmm. But then there's students who still rely on supports of walkers and gait trainers, but you still see the successes in that. So once put in a gait trainer with a seat and not being able to bear any of their weight, you know, in a couple of years, maybe didn't need that seat at all then and were bearing all their weight. So celebrating each student's successes has been really, really good for me. And I think, you know, knowing what I want to push for, empowering those um, adults and family members to know that it, it's okay you know that it, just to try something. and it is possible mm -hmm. I think this is going to lead into your next question about communication but communication probably is one of the biggest things that I've learned with working with communication and mobility together I've had a lot of students who have become motivated to communicate by movement oh wow <laughs> tell me more and the opposite I've uh -huh. learned that kids communicate to be to move so both ways so one example I remember a student of mine who is working on pecs okay so very very early stages of identifying pictures yeah and but very motivated we found his trigger we found his his thing mm -hmm. and I was realizing he he's wanting to communicate he is definitely making a, a, a purposeful movement to give me this picture but what I couldn't get is any movement from him Hmm. And so he didn't want to go anywhere and he didn't want to do anything very not very motivated And so I started putting the pictures just out of reach <laughs> And pretty soon he was motivated to move and so by the communication was what he was motivated by wow. To be able to tell me what he wanted uh -huh. And so I've learned that and being able to make a choice Can be powerful for our students and I've also learned that through movement 
our students can cognitively tell us more. For an example, I have a student who can use, who's not able to yet walk independently. And that's a big part of MOVE too, the not yet. And that's kind of my philosophy. Growth and, mindset. Yeah, so yep. I love it. So we start at the top with MOVE and can they walk? Well, not yet, but can they do this? Not yet. Can, and then uh -huh. it just keeps going down to what they're, where they're at. Yeah. This particular student needs handheld assistance, help with balance, but cognitively, man, she knows what she wants. She's like pulling us this way, pulling us that way. But generally, when we're helping her to walk, we are guiding her, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of in control. So in order to give the power back to her, sometimes you need to give her back equipment. So if you give her a walker, which she's getting super good at, um, she's able to learn to steer it to go where she wants. But this didn't happen until she was using a stander. And it's called a dynamic stander and it has big wheels on the side. And it allows them to propel like you would a wheelchair. Oh yes, I've seen those. They have the really big wheels. Yes. So she can reach them while she's standing. Yes. Okay, yeah. So she's practicing standing uh -huh. and working on um, exercise and wow. strengthening her body. But then she can be in charge of movement. And so she is propelling and we used to use it in gym class because she could propel all over the place. <laughs> well then we started using it when it was time to transition. And what we discovered is by giving her this piece of equipment that was intended to help her with her mobility, she's also able to be very powerful in telling me what she wants to do. Wow. So now she goes okay. over to her communication yes. and her schedule and she will find computer wow. like out of anything. She'll find the picture of computer and man, if you don't catch her, oh she'll be wheeling herself as fast as she can to the computer. <laughs> So even if that's, in tears in my eyes. <laughs> even if she thinks, even if it's not what oh she's supposed gosh. to do at that particular yeah. time, she is telling me. And how do you say no to that? <laughs> right, I know. And so that's generalized a bit to within the building. So we're making a delivery. We're going to the office. Do you mm -hmm. know where the office is? Let's find where the office is. And so by using mobility, she's able to find locations within the building, independently of an adult. So sometimes wow. by taking, giving more equipment, more supports, you're able to take away some of that. The dependence on dependence. an adult. Yeah. And that's wow. where that communication comes in. Because every time she's going to turn into the computer lab. <laughs> every time. And then we learn other skills like saying no, right. not yet. Teachable moments. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah. That is so exciting. So my next question, maybe you've already addressed it, but do communication needs of the student ever come up during your sessions? And if so, how so? They always do. Because I feel like motivation is huge when teaching any of our students, but especially students with the most complex needs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to start where they're at and we can't expect them to learn what we want until we meet them where they're at. Usually that's with motivators and things that are important to them. How do we know that it's important to them? We find out because they're able to communicate that it's important to them or move towards what's important to them. So giving them a voice that way. Um, if we want them to pick what they want to do during centers, for an example, mm -hmm. um, whether they're going to stand, whether they're going to work on sitting, whether they're going to use a piece of equipment like a stander or a, a walker, um, they can be in charge of all of that or an adaptive bike like you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Um, sometimes at recess they get to choose that and so um, it goes hand in hand and once they realize that they have power mm -hmm. to communicate that mm -hmm. to us, mm -hmm. then it makes working on mobility so much easier. So I think it, they, they go hand in hand.
That's so cool. They are interwoven, like you said. I've seen some of your reports, and we invite you out to look at a child for mobility, and in the report always comes up communication, you know, and I think you're talking about their motivation and how we can um, use that in both aspects with communication and letting you know with movement um, what they're motivated by. So that's really exciting to see how interwoven the two are, movement and communication, something I really haven't thought of before. And, you know, when you have students who have limited movement, you know, that comes into play with learning to do a, to um, interact with a device someday. So if they have fine motor issues and gross motor mm. issues where mm -hmm. they can only move a hand or they can only move a finger, you know, that's yes. going to impact how they communicate. So getting a good handle on their mobility can help you to lend to a appropriate communication system for them too. So maybe you're addressing my next question too, which was um, maybe some of the communication concerns that come up during your sessions. Yeah, I, I think um, sometimes we think we need to wait for a student to be ready. Mm. And mm -hmm. so sometimes they're, in our eyes, they're not ready, but I think in their eyes, how do we know? Right. You know, a lot of our kids learn and understand so much receptively mm -hmm. that we don't give them credit for that because they're not expressing what we think right. they might know. And I think diving in and just expecting them to be able to move, you know, mm -hmm. with the move, but also to communicate. And so I do think that they go together. I think it does spark, you know, oh, I see that they're moving towards their friends that are playing with the blocks. How could we make that more of an educational experience for them? They're already communicating through their movement that that's where they want to go. Yep. So now how do we get that to be actual, you know, an output for mm -hmm. them? Is it pointing to pictures of their friends? Is it pointing to go there now? Is it, you know, so I think it does go together. And so often when we, our children are, are able to go and get what they want, you know, sometimes children incline to get what they want. You know, they don't communicate in a formal way other than just going and doing it. And so... A lot of times we think of our children as being independent because they can they get their needs met. <laughs> They're pretty good at getting their needs met, but if we can get that communication piece in in place for them, it's not going to be acceptable for them to climb the rest of their lives to get right. their their needs met or to swipe things when they want something. They they're going to need to communicate at some point to be appropriate in the different social settings. Right. So I think what you said is pretty much sabotaging, you know? So I think you can sabotage a learning experience to allow for that to happen, mm -hmm. you know? Put barriers in the way and, yes. um, for our kids who are able to scoot and move, but even our kids who are, um, you know, have very little movement, independent movement, mm -hmm. you can see the sparkle in their eye, you can see where they're looking, you can see the giggles when they see something. So always looking for those little things to help us move them forward and how they can communicate better. Yeah, that's not part of this session, but I think you've seen humor come mm -hmm. from implementing communication too, which is really, oh, yeah. really neat. Because we know, you, you keep saying, we know they have the cognitive abilities and we're just trying to find that outlet for them to be able to express that. And, and we often see humor come out of, mm -hmm. of learning to communicate. So that's really exciting. All right, so our final question. If you could leave our listeners with one thought or strategy to implement immediately that would help a child discover their voice with AAC, what would it be? 
I think thinking outside the box, um, shaking it up. You know, when they get good at something and you think, oh, they've really, they've got this down, shake it up. Add more, <laughs> add more language. Don't be afraid to, to jump in and, and provide more for them. Because I get stuck with, oh, they look really good, or, uh-huh. you know, they're in this setting, they're communicating wonderfully. You know, they're doing a great job, but um, outside of this setting, always thinking about mm-hmm. where do we really want them to be? You know, where's the balance between communicating to get what I want and communicating for a need or communicating to build a friendship or communicating to order something? You know, like, yep, tell a what, story. Yeah, what, always change the goals, I guess, or, or think think outside of the box and have high expectations too that they'll they'll become communicators like we are very cool well thank you for joining us today i really appreciate it thank you for listening to today's podcast if you could subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when new episodes are released and check out coaching flores on facebook and coachingflores.com for downloads I hope you heard something that inspires you. I'll see you next week.